Welcome to the 21st installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio magazine podcast. Ear to the Ground features interviews and field reports related to sustainable agriculture, family farming, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm your host, Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Young people are known for dreaming big and often pouring a lot of time and energy into those dreams. If that dream involves farming, it doesn't take long for the reality to hit home. Getting established on the land takes more than hard work. It requires financing, good management, realistic goal setting, and more than a little luck. It also takes the ability to ignore the naysayers, who say it is impossible to get started as an independent, entrepreneurial farmer these days. Amy Finley is working hard and getting established as a dairy farmer near the southeast Minnesota community of St. Charles. She's also proving the naysayers wrong. The 25-year-old woman is milking some 100 dairy cows on a grass-based operation. She's renting the land from her grandparents and is employing her father, Joe Finley, to help with the farming. On first meeting Amy, one is left with the impression that she knows how to work hard. She also knows cows and how to get them to produce milk on rotationally grazed pastures. But Amy, who received several job offers when she got her degree in agricultural education from the University of Wisconsin River Falls in 2003, also knows how to manage for profit and network with other dairy farmers. She learned these skills when she took the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course a few years ago. Amy took the course even though she grew up on a dairy farm and had taken several dairy science classes in college. In fact, she's been milking since she was in middle school. But she took the Farm Beginnings course so she could learn firsthand from other farmers about how to operate a low-cost, profitable farm business that was good for the environment and good for the community. She also learned how to identify what work on the farm is turning a profit, and what aspects of the operation are not earning their keep. In other words, she learned how to work smart. So what happens when the reality of running a farm finally sets in? Well, Amy has been milking cows full-time near St. Charles since 2003. Recently, after she had finished up the morning milking, she sat down to talk about what it's like when the dream of farming evolves into a daily, weekly, and yearly routine. Um, the first year, we had way more grass than what we needed because we just didn't have, you know, we were only, I think there was only 65, 70 cows out there. Uh -huh. And then, you know, each year we've got a few more cows. And now last year, we hit our maximum cows for the number. We had 90, 90 cows on about 75 acres in the rotational system. So we ran a little short of feed last fall. We wound up feeding some baleage and pasture to try and extend both the pasture season and our, our hay um, it worked well, um, but this time we'll go around everything probably once or twice, and then we'll move into the, we'll take first cup um, off the couple of hay fields, and then we'll expand into them. Okay. As we need. Is do you have a uh, a goal of how many cows you really need to make a a good living, or where where are you at? Uh, not to get into details about your finances, but do you feel like you're able to make a living with uh, 100 cows or what, what's what's the story there there when we when I first set my goals I said you know 65 70 cows for one person is plenty well then about a year and a half ago it was 90 cows and still one person and I said okay dad are you real happy with where your where your town job is or what do you want to do because he would help he was helping do some hay and he was helping do you know odds and ends jobs around the farm or if I was having trouble with equipment he would help and he said you know I want mine helping farmer I want mine farming full-time um he was getting paid obviously better than he is now yeah but he liked doing farming and he liked working um 
with the equipment and helping me farm. And so he came back full-time, and we said, well, where do we want to be for cow numbers? And we said, actually, probably 90 cows for two of us will be plenty. Well, we're 105 this spring with more heifers to come in this fall, and we're looking at each other going, okay, how big do we really want this? Because (laughs) um, 90 cows in the barn last winter was about all the more it would hold. And so I think we'll be at 90 over the winter, um, and obviously we can calve some more in the spring, keep them through the summer. And then um, I've actually gotten rid of a couple, some springing heifers to uh, another young couple that took the Farm Beginnings course. So just helping them get started with some um, springing heifers. And we've gotten rid of some older cows that have paid their time and needed yeah. to go just for various reasons. We milked them because they were doing okay and they were putting milk in the tank, but... Um, I think some of the heifers will be more profitable for me and problem-free. So yeah. that's where we've gotten rid of a, probably six or seven old cows. And by fall, we said we'll have to get rid of either more springing heifers or cows just so our numbers stay about 90 to 100 for the barn. And are you pretty comfortable with that as far as your income level? Is that the, is that getting you the income level you need? to? Yes, you don't have no. any off-farm income, right? <laughs> no, yeah, no. So it's a full-time um, it's all, deal. Yep, it's two of us full-time on the farm. And right now, um, I won't say it's a great living. Um, (laughs) We make a living doing it. Obviously, we enjoy it. And we've obviously looked into the options of going organic and um, just had another option thrown at us that not necessarily certifying organic, but selling grass-fed milk. Oh, Um, It's a grass-based dairy. Um, And knowing the milk is... Where it's produced and where it comes from, um, but the producers aren't necessarily certified. Okay. So uh, so I would say, and that's the other, you know, we would like to go organic, but when I buy all my winter feed, just because I don't have the acres to make winter feed, and so that becomes, going organic becomes a huge issue when you're not making all your feeds. Um, not that it's not an option. So, and obviously if we went organic, there'd be a better income. Um to live off of how many acres is this farm it has with all our older permanent pasture um there's roughly about 200 okay so you have room to expand the the Mm -hmm. paddocks the rotational grazing system a fair bit yes and no (laughs) it just it becomes um how far do you want the cows walking and how far how many hills and creeks and valleys do you want them to go through um right now what we have fenced is pretty convenient and easy to get through um, get to get the cows to and from um, if we start going out much further it becomes how many creeks are we going to have to go over and uh, a lot more wet spots to go through and there's a big quarry um, that we have to go by so it just there's a few more obstacles rather uh-huh. than a nice square right farm <laughs> um, but uh, yeah there's still there's still options and going back a little bit to the farm beginnings course you had Sounds like you had some pretty good grounding in farm business management, and I know that's a focus of farm beginnings as well, is to uh, really do a lot of business planning and goal setting, that type of thing. Did that kind of help reinforce that uh, a little bit, you know, where you really just sit down and crunch the numbers and don't just get that new piece of equipment because you want that new piece of equipment, but figure out if it's really going to get you to your goal. I think any time you sit down and look at the numbers and go through the numbers, the better off you are. Uh, The more realistic it becomes. And just, you have a better feel of how you're running your business. 
And even there's times I still feel like I should do it more. And so sitting down with the Farm Beginnings class, going over it again, looking at different options, different numbers to put in, obviously was a benefit to me just to see, um, I guess, where your profit centers are too. You mm-hmm. know, what's going to make you money. And if you don't have time, what you can hire out or what you don't do or um, and what, what does truly make you the money. But I think too, um, obviously the cash flows are what makes the business go. But they also, when you're dealing with family, I think you go through a lot of their goal setting or um, just kind of how to make the relationships work, whether it be, you know, obviously a rent from my grandpa, but whether it be another renter and, you know, whoever you're renting from or if it's hired help or if it's, you know, a father-son, father-daughter relationship because there's always not so good times in any of those mm-hmm. relationships just because it's you're living with each other your family but yet you're still working together too so it's not a nine to five job where you're working with somebody and you can go home and don't have to see them the rest of the day it's, <laughs> you pretty much have to get along with them yeah that's a whole other <laughs> yeah like you said they bring their goals along with them yeah that, that may not jive with yours the whole time right that's a good point now your dad joe he Attended the classes with you, right? Isn't that right? Or yep, he came to most of them. Yeah, I think he did come to most of them, probably ninety percent of them, as well. And he always just said too, it was a good refresher to uh, emphasize what they had already learned. Or they always change parts of farm beginnings too, based on what past participants have felt was either needed to add or drop or yeah. that type of stuff. So, and it's always interesting. Um, just listening to people, you know, some of the panels they bring in right? and they always have useful information to share. So you're right now, it's basically, you're the sole kind of proprietor of this uh, business, uh, this dairy business. And, and, uh, how's the workload? I mean, your dad's helping out, but Mm -hmm. how's the workload? How's that work out for you? Um, there's days, <laughs> there's days you look at each other and say, what did we get done today? Because it doesn't feel like we got a darn thing done. Yeah. Um, and that's, we're actually looking at, we went back and said, really, how many cows do we need to yeah. be happy, make a decent living and not feel like we're working 24 hours a day. Right. Um, which has been difficult, difficult lately just because our numbers are up and actually our heifer numbers are we have more heifers than we do cows right now just because we had a few really good years of heifers. So when you combine the two and the heifers aren't on the same farm, they're at two other different farms besides the farm that we're on. Uh, it makes for a lot of running and a lot of, um, not even, they're not even that far apart, but when you're moving bales every day and just making sure everything's fed or in the winter making sure everything is bedded up. And um, we put in some long days, but I would say... You know, the workload is manageable. And you have air shires? Is that what you got? Um, is well, it a mixed herd? Or? It is a mixed herd. I started with air shires um, and then bought the Holstein herd to just increase my numbers enough so it was a full-time job. Okay. So, and everything's getting bred to an air shire. So we're slowly getting towards air shires. Um, however, all the crosses still look pretty Holstein. And we have some that are almost 7 eighths air shire but still look Holstein. So, um, but I've been actually really happy with the crosses. They've done well for us. Um, Obviously, if they're red and white, they tend to be a little easier 
on our grazing system just because they don't get as overheated in the summer as uh-huh. the black and white cows. But in the winter, I mean, I would say both breeds do fairly equal as far as feed and management wise. Now, Amy, you have a degree in agricultural education, and you had uh, plenty of employment opportunities when you graduated from college. You ever wonder uh, if farming was the right choice? We, I still get it from family. Why, why are you farming? Why didn't you go into something that you know you're going to get a steady paycheck, and you have retirement benefits and the whole nine yards? Um, I still had a problem getting rid of the cows, obviously, um, our cows are kind of more like a pet dog than they are cows. Um, we get pretty attached to some of them. And obviously our show cows are some of the biggest babies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't shown for four years, but there are still some of them out there, and they're still big pets. Right. Um, but I just, at the time, I was teaching and actually really liked teaching egg and doing that. Um, I actually got offered probably four or five jobs other than teaching, other than farming, Um, all looked real good, all looked like they'd be very doable, but I said, you know, obviously I'm young. I have an opportunity, I think, at the time, to um, rent Grandpa's farm and do that. And I said, you know, realistically, if I got rid of the cows now and didn't do it, I don't think, you know, in the back of your mind, you always think, oh, this is kind of what I want to do. But it's just always the not knowing, well, am I going to make it? Am I going to have enough money to pay all the bills and still live? Um, And I thought, you know, I'm young, I'm not married, I don't have any kids, I can work a little harder than I can when I'm 40 years old, why don't I try it now? Um, And if I go belly up, I still have a whole (laughs) lifetime to make up the money and do whatever. So that's, I guess, I just just thought I was more young and ambitious and could start farming now than, and it would be easier now than in another 10 years or another 15 years. Um, so that's, I guess, why I chose to do it. And obviously, um, just I liked being outside. I liked the environment and knowing that I determined my own success. Yeah. And I could do what I wanted to, and just set my own goals and try to accomplish them as for, you know, not working. If you're working for somebody else, it's like you're working for somebody else's goals and for their success. And it was just... Um, easier to choose this more this career path and I think it was more gratifying for me it still is to do this than than other jobs and obviously there's good and bad days and on the bad days you think what am I doing (laughs) I could be done at five o'clock or I could be you know right getting better pay but it's not it's not about the money obviously and it's not about the hours is why I'm doing it Um, I guess it's just what you enjoy and what you what you like how old are you now I will be 25. And 25. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, so you're, uh, uh, I mean, you're you're a lot further along in your farming career, though, than a lot of 25-year-olds. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive, yeah. actually. Uh, is, is that kind of where, did you kind of, I don't know if you thought about this, but when you thought about getting into farming, did you kind of think you'd be right at this point right now, maybe building a herd? and that To be honest, I didn't even know where I'd be. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know... You always kind of think in the back of your head, this is where I want to be at this time, and in another couple years, I want to be here, and in another couple years, I want to be here. Um, And, you know, you try and set those benchmark goals. But I didn't know that we would grow the herd as fast as we have. Uh Um, Obviously, a lot of heifer calves have helped. (laughs) And I didn't know when I bought that whole the herd of Holstein cows how long a lot of them would last. You think, well, if I can get my numbers up, 
by the time their heifers are coming in, they'll probably be, you know, ready to be shipped or something will happen to some of them, um, as it does with any livestock. But actually, turned out to be really good, and I probably still have, I, I have still have over half of them. Wow. So those are now seven, eight-year-old cows still in the herd, still doing quite well. And um, that's helped. And like I said, just um, good cow health in the pasture obviously helps with that. You know, keeping your cows healthy, um, good feed. We struggled. I struggled the first two years during the winter to find good feed. I rely on a lot of people um, during the winter to put up feed, and to uh-huh. try and find that was uh, was a big challenge. And to get the whole system of how it would work. And so finally now this last winter, um, I found a producer that just mixes a whole TMR. I go pick it up drop it off here and feed it and I would say it's the best the cows have ever milked it's the best they've ever health wise they've ever been and the best feed we've ever fed but I think it all relates back to good feed yeah and that's why we do so well in the summer I just think because you know the pasture is really good uh, the cows love it out there and it's just it's just managing the cows I mean if you if you can get them feeling good and healthy they'll treat you pretty good I would say the the so you don't do you cut any hay on this farm here at all or put up any all the feed? hay that we cut here is all heifer feed for okay. winter and actually last year the first two years we struggled to put up feed and you run around like chicken with your head <laughs> off trying to get everything done and you're low on sleep and tired you, you mm. love summer because the cows are out and it's so fun to graze but yeah i we just dreaded making hay because well one it was just myself for a while and then two it was you know I didn't know the equipment. So last year we, I hired one guy to cut, rake, bale the hay, and put it into baleage. Everything's made into baleage for the heifers here um, and worked absolutely fabulous. I actually, last year um, in June, ran a marathon, so I wasn't even here. <laughs> Came back and it was all done and all said, and he said, here's your bill and you can take care of it whenever. And so, I mean, it was the easiest time we'd ever had putting up hay ever. So that's exactly what we're doing this year. Um, you know, he brings all the help. It's all said and done, and Dad and I don't have to do anything. Yeah. We just focus on what we already do and make sure everything gets done. But um, So every year things get a little better, and you work. You meet more people that help you out, and it just makes life a lot easier. You know, I would think in the community, even though there's some people who say there's no future in farming, it must be exciting to some people to see a young person such as yourself getting established in farming and, and I would think maybe there's a lot of support and help that way that they feel they, they're excited to see some fresh blood in the area and somebody kind of yeah, everybody around. obviously you have those people that you know you're never going to make it or but I would say everybody I work with um, whether it's our nutritionist or the vets or the banker um, even just community people say it's so nice to see the cows out there you know we really love that you actually are trying to do it even though it's not the easiest lifestyle Um, you know obviously there's a lot easier ways out there to make a living but Mm -hmm. they said it's just it's good knowing that somebody's doing it and it can be done and it's interesting because there's a lot of actually young women my age that say you know is it possible because that's really really what I would like to do but everybody tells me there's no way I can do it you know, so obviously you're doing it. You've done it for a number of years. Is it possible? And I mean, I always say, I think, I think if you really have your heart into it, it's possible. Because obviously it's possible, or I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, you're. And proven. I mean, everybody, even 
you know, our custom guy that does all our hay is also who mixes all my winter feed. And he's like, I love it because that means he has a market for all his feed, but yet he doesn't have to do all the cow stuff. And that's what he likes to do. Um, and he's real supportive of me. Um, and he likes the cows. He still likes the cows. He still yeah. comes over and he'll come and help. If dad's gone, he'll still come help once in a while. And there's a lot of people um, in that regard that are about, you know, I would say late 40s, early 50s that have got out of dairy farming and uh -huh. still maybe crop farm. But there's four or five older, I shouldn't even call them older because they're my <laughs> parents' age, but about my parents' age that'll come over if I need help and are willing to help. And, and that's always good to know because... Sometimes you never know when you're going to be in a pinch or right. or what's going to happen. So, but it, I think as the community, they've been pretty supportive, and obviously we're close enough to town that um, working with the community is kind of a goal of ours, just to make sure we keep everything kosher and that nobody's unhappy, and because we don't work just nine to five. So right. Yeah. That's there's a... nights when we're out. You know, last year we bailed. There was one night it was going to rain. And, and it did. It poured the next day. So we were out bailing and wrapping till one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. And the wrapper, have you ever heard one of their bail wrappers? They're noisy. They're very mm. noisy. And so when you're right next to houses doing that, you're thinking, oh, I just hope they're not getting mad. <laughs> and, you know, the one guy made a comment the next morning jokingly. And he said, you know, I know you had to do it because that's what you have to do. And so he said, don't worry about it. But you just, it's, you feel bad sometimes yeah. knowing that. They've still got to get up in the morning. And that's that was the comment he made. He goes, I didn't care. I knew you guys had to be up earlier than I did in the morning. So um, they've all been, and actually, there's three, four guys that work at the John Deere dealership that live right up here. Another one that um, does a lot of farm, farm business plans, too. So they're actually directly tied with agriculture, too. So it's good to have those yeah. types of people that live around you. That's and their kids love the farm and enjoy coming down and seeing and going on explores out in the pasture. And so, I mean, it's it's good to keep a positive relationship if you can. That's a good point. St. Saint, Saint Charles is, is kind of a bedroom, becoming a bedroom community for Rochester. Mm -hmm. And I'm always surprised as I come out here, every time there's more subdivisions, more yep. growth that way. And you're, you're right. Even though you're not near a big city area, you are kind of getting engulfed by it. You've got the Interstate 90 on one side. And 14 on the other. And 14 on the other. And then yep. you've got these subdivisions. I mean, coming up uh, Kiefer Drive here, it's yep. that subdivision's right up to your farm. So mm -hmm. you have to be a good neighbor. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So, and that's not always easy to do sometimes, but it's just making an effort to do it. For more on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. That's www.farmbeginnings.org. There you will find out more about the nuts and bolts of this course and get a chance to read profiles of graduates who are out on the land making a go of it in farming. You'll also learn how to apply to the program in Minnesota, as well as other Midwestern states that have recently launched Farm Beginnings programs. Send your comments, criticisms, and suggestions about this podcast to me, Brian DeVore, at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. That's bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. You can also call me at 612-729-6294. Special thank you goes out to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician and LSB staffer who provided Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a very special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. 
If you're not a member and would like to support us, go to landstewardshipproject.org to learn how to join LSP. Thanks for listening.